Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. Bellinger drives one in the air. Deep right center. Back goes Tapia to the wall. It's got a chance. Gone! Cody Bellinger, a two-run homer. The Cubs are right back in this ballgame. It is now four to three Milwaukee Bellinger's eighth of the year and his first one since the month of April. Isn't it amazing the way these two teams battle back against one another. Cardinals and Cubs. Been fun. Cody Bellinger has been great this year. Cardinals Cubs coming up in about 40 minutes or so here on 670 the score. Matt Spiegel is me. This is hit and run. We usually we go until noon. Sometimes we go later if there's a Cubs game at like 115 and that's what we're doing right now. James Fegan from the Sun Times is going to join us in a little bit to talk some White Sox. But the big news right now is the Red Hot Chicago Cubs who have won eight straight games. They are 11 and three in their last 14. They are two games over 500. And oh, by the way, the Brewers lost and are now only three and a half games ahead of the Cubs in first place. The Reds come to town starting tomorrow. And depending on what happens with the Brewers and if the Cubs can beat the Reds, who knows how close they'll be to first place by the middle of the week. It's it's nuts how quickly this has happened. Now, what that has meant is that all of this offseason, all of this first part of the season, all of these games that have been about trying to define what the Cubs are this year. Are they a contender or not? Are they competitive or not? Is it just a step on the way to a rebuild? Well, we'll see. We'll see how we play. Um, and then you kept talking about like different batches of games. It did come down to this. 
because we get this now from Bob Nightingale in USA Today. This from Bob Nightingale's column in today's USA Today, and I quote, The Chicago Cubs had all of the intentions in the world to trade all-star pitcher Marcus Stroman and former MVP outfielder Cody Bellinger, but the team's torrid play of late abruptly changed plans. Now the two are expected to stay. It may prove to be a mistake, with the Cubs proving to be nothing more than a tease, beating up on the Cardinals, White Sox, and Washington Nationals during their 11-3 run, moving them above 500 for the first time since May 6th. Okay, so great news, a lot to take in there. The first thing, the Cubs had all of the intentions in the world to trade Stroman and Bellinger, but the team's tarred play of late abruptly changed plans. As far as beating up on a bad schedule, <clears throat> that's how you win in, uh, in baseball, is beating up on the bad schedule. Nobody's saying that they're going to be a World Series contender. I mean, you get in, everything, who knows what can happen, that kind of thing. But the whole point of this is that they have the fourth easiest schedule in MLB the rest of the way. You're banking on some of that. Now, look, coming out after the Reds series, I know they have Atlanta. Who else do the Cubs have before Atlanta? They have the, Red, the Reds. The Reds. I know. I got the Reds first. And then Atlanta. And there's another tough team in there coming up with the three, the next three series. And maybe three of the next four are against tough teams. So they've got the Mets, and then they'll face Toronto in Toronto. Toronto in Toronto. There we go. And then a White Sox series. So the White Sox, two for after that. So the Mets, who are in cell mode and certainly should be beatable, Carlos Carrasco will get dealt from that rotation. Justin Verlander might get dealt from that rotation. Um, Verlander to the Cubs? That had a chance a few years back. Yeah. Sounds like Houston might want him back, Yeah, I think Houston, Houston reunion looks likely for Justin Verlander. If they can work out the money part of it, Ooh, and man. St- I just I'm getting excited about Justin Verlander in a Cubs uniform. Yeah, right? well, you, you had your chance, had that one moment. He it thought he was coming here. Javi Baez, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would no, it, it, it might not have cost you Javi Baez because the story goes that Verlander and Kate Upton wanted to be here, and that's what he would have greenlit from Detroit. In instead of going to Houston, but the Cubs had already made their move for Jose Quintana with Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez. So they didn't have the prospect capital to get it done anymore at that point in the year. So that, that's the miss on Verlander. But either way, Cubs are here. They're going for it. They are not selling on either Stroman or Bellinger. That's the official <clears throat> word from a newsbreaker in Bob Nightingale. So there you go. So now that means you're scouring the trade deadline availables for left-handed relievers, and you're scouring trade deadline availables for righty power bats who could play first or third and maybe a starting pitcher. Exciting times. Before we switch gears and go White Sox, let's talk to Ben in Queens on 670 The Score. Hello, Ben. Hey, Matt. Great news on Bellinger. I know it's late, but I wanted to congratulate you on the great job by the play-by-play. I thought you and Elise Miniker were great, and you can't beat the record. Um, 
I wanted to talk about the inside game, Keith Law, two weeks ago. Uh, it was great. I checked out the book. I've been reading it. Um, the the author invites you to either read it straight through or you can read it through chapters. Now, we want to avoid optimism bias and we want to avoid availability bias with the Cubs. But I wanted to talk about specifically that, his insights about the playoff odds, because I know this came up and discussion during the week on the show and the difference between baseball reference and fan graphs. Okay. Now, baseball, baseball reference has it today at 53%. Okay, now the 4% pop in one day and the 25.9% pop in, in those changes in the one week would suggest, you know, you want to avoid optimism bias. It's good, but things could happen. However, with the fan graphs, okay, the fan graphs has changed three times since I've been on hold. It goes from 32.3 to 31.1%. But look, Fangraphs, Fangraphs, and I quote, Fangraphs says in the engine, if you don't like our projections, you can also switch to the season-to-date mode. Now, because Fangraphs, the projections, it's the 50-50 split between zips and steamers. They have been wrong about the 2023 Cubs since 2022. Wrong on Bellinger, wrong on Steele, wrong on Stroman, wrong, wrong, wrong. But if you go to the season-to-date, well, lo and behold, the Cubs, are projected to win 86 wins. They are at a 60% chance to make the playoffs. Their chance for winning the World Series has gone from 4.4% this morning up to 5.1%, now it's down to 4.6%. It makes no sense. But what I'm saying is, uh, you know, the Cubs, depending on whether you look at it, if they keep, now that they've officially said that they are staying the course, which is what I've been saying the whole damn year... <laughs> We're looking. We're, we're looking. I, I mean, this is this is a great move. Uh, every Cubs fan should be rejoicing. And don't listen. Listen, I will give Tracy and Calumet City the Word Smithing Award for 2023, but it does not apply to the Cubs. I'm sorry, it does not apply. Paul and Valpo and you touched on that. It does not apply. If you look at the 40-man roster, there's a bunch of pieces on the 40-man roster. And go Cubs. Love you. Speak. Talk to you later. Ben, great stuff as always. Thank you. The Word Smithing. I don't doubt Ben. I would have said wordsmithing, but he's probably right that you say wordsmithing. And, and so I, I love the reference. But, uh, yes, we are, we are in the midst of a pretty cool moment for Cub fans where they are going for it and not selling the two big pieces that apparently they were prepared to sell. Let's switch gears and talk some White Sox who are playing well. Last two games, playing good defense, pitching. Tim Anderson went deep. Timing's interesting. All guests appear on the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and that's where we find James Fegan of the Chicago Sun-Times, who joins us right now. Hello, James. How are you? Hey, how's it going? It is going great. Um, so the caller was referring to an early earlier caller who came up with this term. He calls it organizational catfishing, where... It, it, teams use the idea of prospect currency as a reason to cut payroll and keep fans coming in anyway. It's a rather cynical way to look at the baseball business, but one can understand if some fans look at it that way. No? Like the idea that rebuilding is uh, and the emphasis on prospect like loading, I think it at least has the twin uh, product for, for teams to cut payroll and to yes. cut their investments on the major league side when theoretically you could still have the focus of developing your prospects but also be investing in major leaguers to give yourself more chips, chips to flip 
even at the deadline, even if your goal is just to stack the farm system as much as possible, it doesn't require you to cut bait on fielding a competitive major league team. Yes, I, I get that concept. Okay, good. Um, so with, with that in mind and with that as backdrop, um, I don't think the White Sox are not going all the way backwards and, and doing a rebuild thing again, right? This is going to be something that they try and piece together next year and try to be competitive at this point. Is that what we expect? That's what I expect. I mean, their, their trade activity, even at this point, what you've, you've dealt, uh, you know, two um, pending free agents in the Angels trade. And then with uh, Lynn and the Dodgers, you know, those guys had, uh, you know, extra years of control, him and Kelly, but those are options with their performance and where they're priced that, you know, you wouldn't have anticipated the White Sox picking them up. Uh, and then another, you know, Kendall Graven's probably the only move that you would really look at and say that's, um, you know, pulling away from, from next year's team, but that's a, you know, a pricey, uh, you know, the, the third year of a, a reliever contract at high value. They haven't really pulled, pulled away at their long-term assets in some major significant way. Now I can certainly look at them very cynically about like, Hey, how are you going to rebuild, probably 60% of a rotation from a farm system that doesn't really have the depth and you haven't really added, you know, major league ready immediate arms uh, to this, but they, they haven't pulled away or, or torn down, um, you know, the major building blocks of what the team would be next year uh, anyway. Yeah. In terms of the rotation, we're probably looking at a lot of signings like the Vince Velasquez <laughs> signing a couple years ago, right? Like a low end free agent, who they hope gets something out of their year. Maybe they do that with two or three different people. Yeah, but uh, you know, referencing that, you know, that wasn't a viable competitive uh, you know signing. That wasn't that wasn't something that worked out. You, you probably want to reference the Carlos Rodon signing. Okay, uh, if you're going to say this is what's actually going to lead us to a playoff first. <laughs> that shows you how much I think it's going to work out. I, I suppose is, is what happened right there. I mean, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, yeah, I don't know exactly what they're going to do in terms of rotation, but, but I do look at this and I'm, I find myself realizing, all right, correct me if I'm wrong here, James, okay? Um, outfield next year uh, could be some version of uh, Andrew Benintendi, Eloy Jimenez, and Luis Robert out there, right? Theoretically. I think there's one officer call us to show you that you'd be the guy who kind of mans right field more often than not. Okay. And, you know, obviously the more you can put Eloy at DH, the, the better for – for everyone involved. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, but, yeah. okay. So Colas, Benintendi and, and Robert in the outfield, Eloy at the DH, it seems. Um, also next year, whether it's Moncada at third and Berger at second, or they do an off season swap a You got both those guys. It appears they'll probably keep Tim Anderson at this point. And then Andrew Vaughn, I, I've seen those guys before. So the infield's all set as well. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Yeah, if you can plug in Berger at second base, maybe a full offseason kind of allows you to do that. That's, that's certainly as attractive, if not significantly more so offensively than any of their in-house options at this point. Yeah, and, and maybe would they ever ask Moncada to go back to second in an offseason, give him plenty of time to, to, to deal with it? You're getting paid $24 million. This is what we need you to do. Is that possible? It's certainly getting talked about more than it has been in, in previous years, and, and maybe you're in a situation where he's nearing – his option years where it's like, if this doesn't work, if this conversion isn't there, uh, maybe we're just moving on anyway, but they, you know, when he moved over to third base, they just believe that was so central to him kind of breaking out when he initially did in 2019. And he is, I would say defensively superior to Berger at third base. 
are you, are you kind of splitting the difference if you're moving Berger back to where he's more comfortable, where Moncada returns to being error prone? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I, I, I don't know if it's a, it's a huge win to do that. Um, but uh, it, it certainly you're hearing Grafol talk about it more, whereas previously just a complete non-starter in past years. All right. So, um, yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay. And then catcher, we'll see what Corey Lee looks like when he eventually gets up here. Um, and we assume that he's going to be there. And, and Sebi Zavala remains on a contract. I guess what I'm trying to say is I've seen a lot of these players before. I'm familiar with their level of goodness. And I think they need players who are gooder than that. that that's, my, that's, my, that's my prevailing theory. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean... Catcher, I think, is at least for next year. I mean, you definitely want Caro to be a long-term guy, but I, I think you're probably happy if, if Lee turns into, you know, a, a steady backup or, or a guy you kind of mix in with a you know 70-80 game rotation. I don't think he's shown you offensively uh, necessarily if he can be the everyday guy that he's your you know next year's Monte Grandal. So I, I think that's the place you could add short term. Uh, you know, someone I've always looked at becoming a free agent is Mitch Garver because he fits kind of the the bat first profile uh, that the Sox have looked at that position for a while. And, you know, he's probably not the long-term guy with Jonah Heim in, in Texas. Uh, you know, you, you certainly need to invest heavily in the rotation and, and find some way to have some sort of impact there because, you know, not only do you not have really the arms to, to replace what you, you're missing now, but, you you know, Kopech and, and, and Cease are, are, are not necessarily guarantees to pitch like one and twos uh, based on what they've done this year. So I think rotation is probably a place where you can upgrade, but, yeah, the idea of returning the same offensive core that seems to consistently be less than the sum of their parts, uh, you know, is worrisome for as far as saying where's where's the leap going to be next season to put this team back in contention. And, um, looks like Rickon is is clearly making these trades, or at least you know the face of making these trades. Did would you suspect at this point that Rickon is the GM next year? Yeah, if nothing, because like. I, I would need significant reason to think that's not the most likely outcome, and I haven't I haven't talked to right now. I'm not the most plugged into White Sox business that I've been in the last seven years, but I I, I don't get the the feeling that this is um, a, a major sea change that's at, at, at work right now. And I, I think everyone who's followed this organization for the last 20 years doesn't really anticipate that one coming until you know kind of the, the big turnover comes, where it's a, you know a full direction of change in, in franchise and ownership. And, I don't think we're there right now. Interesting. Um, and then, so with that in mind, Pedro Grafol, <clears throat> who some people thought might be one and done, may not be one and done. Uh, do you think Pedro comes back? Certainly. I, I think he has the backing of the front office. So I think as long as the front office is in place, that he would get another chance to, to really manage a team and, and kind of, you know, the whole momentum right now is he's got to, you know, build a new kind of clubhouse leadership structure because the old one really got traded out in the last couple of days. So the opportunity to do that and also the fact that he would have the back in this front office, I think even a new front office would probably give him a year. Uh, you know, probably a new front office would want to have a year to evaluate what they have before making any moves. So, yeah, I, I don't see really any scenario that really pushes them out uh, at this point. All right. I just put my head in my hands a little bit because I, 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 we, we got sort of where I was thinking we might get to, but – the, the volume of people returning to all these jobs is going to lead to some, some exhausting conversations for radio listeners, James. You know, it's just it, it's going to be hard for people to, to find optimism going into next year. And it, I feel bad for White Sox fans in that way because they like to be happy. I think White Sox fans like to be happy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not 
super optimistic for next year at this point. Uh, I, I channeled all the optimism I had to the idea that they could affect a, a major culture change this year or, or change their offensive approach in some way and to, to not see any results and not see any progress in team-wide place discipline or, or really see their defense jump up or the fact that I'm thinking talking about Oscar Colas was the guy I, you know we were hoping he could become a above average regular and right now you're not seeing him get it done on offensively or defensively uh as we approach august it's just not very encouraging about what they're able to create internally to improve a product that hasn't been good enough uh years running now you know the, the pitching and the, the work that they have to do to really rebuild this rotation uh it just weighs on me so much when i try to project this this team getting back next year like they they are just it's to replace three starters from a system that has had such a, a bad year in the upper minors is, is really troubling uh, work out of them. When you, th- when you think about it, do you think about Garrett Crochet pivoting back to being a starter or Tanner Banks? Like what, what do they have internally that could be answers? And we definitely, you know, Garrett wants it. He said that as much yesterday. Uh, and, and certainly as far as feeling and stuff, like they don't have, uh, it, it's hard to get much better than, than Garrett in this organization, but it's such a, like we're talking about monitoring Michael Kopech's workload and, um, you know, gradually getting him up uh, to where he could be. Michael had a full season in the bullpen in, in 2021, and then he was, you know, pitched nearly 120 innings last year. You know, that, that's way more than anything Garrett's, you know, done. That's, you know, Garrett is sitting on 10 innings right now in the major league. So it's this season, he's, he's thrown 70 in his major league career to jump him up to think you can handle something even approaching a regular starter workload next year. That's, that's a huge ask. And mm-hmm. I'm sure he'd be down for it, but it's, it's sound, it's so much greater than what you see the, the graduation of innings for arms, uh, you know, in player development that I, he's still just 24 years old. I don't think you'd, you'd ramp up a, you know, a normal guy his age uh, in this way. And so it, it's hard to imagine that being one of the main answers uh, for you know, th- one of three rotation slots. I think it'd be nice to be a great bonus to see him being stretched out and being a long guy or being a 3-4 inning guy next season and healthy all the way through. Uh, but, but asking him to be part of figuring out 160, 180 innings, that, 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 sounds, that sounds extreme to me. Makes sense. Um, James Fegan, I, I thought of you as we talked to Rick Giolito on the radio the other day. Um, and referenced you, and Rick said, oh, yeah, got rid of the best baseball writer in the country, The Athletic. Rick, fond of your work. But I, I, and, you know, part of it, though, for me, that why I thought of you is that the work that you did writing about Lucas and writing about his off-season work and his transformation, all of it, some of the best baseball expository writing that that I've experienced in this town. I learned a lot from all that stuff. So I wondered if... Um, you must have developed a nice relationship with the family. It's an interesting family, thoughtful, and among the reasons I was sad to see Lucas go was to see that whole family go, frankly. Yeah, uh, they they, they were a very special part of my career. Um, They they meant a lot to me, and I I think Lucas was a a vector for me to learn a lot about the game and learn a lot about how guys improve themselves or or what's going on in pitching tech and, and and what's also how, you know, pitchers are able to compartmentalize and, and process the game and the pressures on them. Like, you know, it's more than once that, you know, we've been waiting for, uh, you know, to interview in post game and Lucas has like showed me his phone and like gotten some like 
death threat DMs that he's uh, received on Instagram about, you know, giving up three runs in five innings or something like that. And he's just kind of said, like, that's part of the job. So um, Lucas has, has showed me so much about how the game works and um, how, how people are able, what, what they have, guys have to endure and what they have to work through. Um, that, you know, I, I'll, I'm, I'm nowhere close to the same writer that I was uh, before I met him. And so, yeah, I've watched his first start uh, in Toronto the other night. And, you know, now that now that the professional relationship is a little bit different, I can just kind of, you know, root for him and enjoy, uh, you know, for his success. You know, any player that you really come close to and watch and see their struggle and see their journey and see their, their, their path, you, you kind of wind up, you know, rooting them for their own a bit, but now that I, I don't have to cover them, I, I just kind of, yeah, you know, that's just a good guy that I know that I, I hope the best for going forward. That's awesome. James Fegan, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I, I join you in uh, watching Lucas and rooting for Lucas post Chicago White Sox. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You got it. It's James Fegan from the Chicago Sun Times. The big news will reset and get you ready for Cubs Cardinals game number four. Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman reportedly off the trade availability list. Not available as we approach the deadline, according to Bob Nightingale in USA Today. Let's discuss and we'll talk about who and what the Cubs might go for at the deadline. Two games over 500, just three and a half back. It's Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run on the Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. Swung on and driven to center field. Going back is the center fielder, Carlson. He looks up. It's in the basket. Cody Bellinger on fire all month long and delivers a two-run homer here in the first. The Cubs up 2-0, and this place is hopping. That call from the score, Sports Radio, and the Cardinals last week, in losing those last three games, really, it, 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 you could see and feel that a little bit of life left them. And then here in St. Louis, you could see in that first inning when Miles Michaelis makes the terrible decision to go after Ian Happ not once but twice and gets tossed and finds himself out of that game, that the Cardinals know that their season is toast. And that has been a progressive thing to get to this point. But the Cubs this year have put the final nails in the Cardinals' 2023 coffin. It's been very, very clear to see. This is Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. And now as the Cubs go for a sweep, in St. Louis, this will be the final game of the Cubs-Cardinals series for this year. The 2,500th game, the 2,500th game in the history of the series is today. 
and it's also the final one of the year, and it's the earliest Cubs and Cardinals has been done in a long time. I believe since the late 90s that they've had a season series that ends this early. This is uh, the first and only series in St. Louis for the Cubs Cardinals this year because of London and how that all worked out. So it's quite something. And, And since London... It's been a bit of a roller coaster for the Cubs. Low at first as they lost all those games coming out of London. And, and it's, it, it's undeniable that the travel and the weirdness of that trip did play a role in the games that followed. But then they have picked it up. They have absolutely picked it up. And they've gone 11-3 and in these last 14 games. They've won eight in a row, going for nine in a row today. And find themselves just three and a half games back in the National League Central. Find themselves, in terms of the wild card, just three games back of the Reds for the final wild card spot with Arizona and Miami ahead of them. And they've got a front office now who is deciding to invest, or at the very least, not to divest and sell off Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger. That the big news of the day from Bob Nightingale in USA Today. The Cubs will not trade Marcus Stroman Stroman nor Cody Bellinger and will instead try to make a push. And it's interesting because as uh, as as Nightingale wrote, he, he hopes the Cubs don't prove to be a tease The schedule does get harder after this before it then gets easier because it's been easy, obviously, against these teams. And then Cincinnati is here for four starting tomorrow. The Braves here for three over next weekend. And then they're in New York for the Mets, which should be winnable, but on the road, and then in Toronto for three. So that's all by the 14th of August. So that's 12 games after the deadline from the 1st through the 13th. There'll be 12 games in there. And if they don't do well in those games and fall back from the standings, there'll be a lot of people saying, see, they should have sold. See, they should have sold on those guys. But that would be short-sighted. It's, I know it's crazy that this push has happened now, and you could argue that them choosing to be a buyer or going for it is short-sighted. But I don't think it is when you add in the factor that they have played better than their record for much of the season. And they themselves believe that. So now the results are here. It is a results-based business. And the results are here, and the results are good enough for the Cubs to go for it. Oh, hell yeah. What a fun development. What a great week of must-win baseball games this has been. Leading up to this show, what a fun day we had. Thank you so much to all the callers and all the texters all day long. Thank you to our guests, Eno Saris from The Athletic, Chris Kampka from NBC Sports Chicago, and James Fegan of The Sun-Times. Thank you to our producer, Sean Sears, who does a great job every week getting everything we need to do a show like this. What fun. Thanks, everybody. Cubs and Cardinals are next. Kyle Hendricks against Steven Matz.
That's coming up next with Zach Zaidman's pregame and then Pat and Ron right here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.